This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 15, Unlocking Cash. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Ooh, I like that. Unlocking cash. Where is that cash? Where's the you know the treasure chest we can unlock? Break that money free. Uh, in the studio with me this morning is Holly Bach. Welcome, Holly. Hello, hello. And Katrina Willis. Hi there. And uh, we're going to be talking about unlocking cash today. So uh, you know, best be putting the money in the, the best safe you can find because we're going to be talking about unlocking cash. <laughs> And uh, specifically, we're going to be looking at this uh, as one of our toolbox episodes. And again, we've got a regular recurring uh, series that we'll be doing over the uh, episodes where we go into a specific financial concept and try to unpack it in as plain English as we can. And so today's jargon is called liquidity. So uh, don't be thinking pool parties and fun stuff like that. This is just liquid cash. That's another way to, <laughs> to talk about that. So I'd like to really dive in with a question. So imagine there's two guys, a tale of two savers, okay? One of them is getting a high rate of return in his investment or whatever it is that he's got cooking for him. But he also has to go into debt with a bunch of credit cards and college loans and auto loans, all because that investment is not liquid, not accessible to him. All right, so there's the first guy, the tale of two savers. So the second saver is someone who gets a slightly lower rate of return in his investment, whatever that is, but is able to use that money, have it continue to work for him. That allows him to stay away from things like credit cards, uh, auto loans, student loans, mortgages, that sort of thing. So just kind of keep those two in your mind as we listen through this episode. Yeah. And just real quickly, when it comes to liquidity, um, want to reference back to episode two real quick, where we kind of talked about um, the, the average American and kind of the situation that the average American is in when it comes to saving. And so we brought up uh, kind of this stat where 47% of Americans wouldn't be able to come up with $400 to cover an emergency. So almost half of Americans wow. couldn't come up with 400 bucks. And so in episode two, we kind of talked about that being a savings problem. Americans aren't saving enough. They're not putting enough aside for emergencies, their future, et cetera. But really, you know, in this episode, want to talk about how that's also, you know, it's partly a savings problem, but it's also a liquidity problem. Uh, maybe it doesn't mean that these people don't have $400 anywhere in the world. Um, it just means that they don't have $400 accessible, ready to go. So they might have $400 in you know, a 401k or they might even have it in investments, but that means that they would have to pay penalties to get access to that money or maybe even take a loss. You know, what happens when that emergency comes up, but then you know the stock market's down? Well, you'd have to sell your, you yeah. know, you sell your investments at the bottom and, um, you know, to be able to cover that emergency. And that's not to your benefit at all. Key concept there, Holly. I mean, what you're describing is what we call paper profits. You know, uh, uh, the stock is only worth what someone's willing to pay for it on the day you need that money, right? So to get that money out of that stock or whatever, to make it liquid again for you to spend on gas and groceries or whatever, uh, you've got to hopefully find some sucker who's willing to pay you 
you know, as much as possible, more hopefully than you paid for it back in the day. But most likely it's going to be less. All right. So let's let's think that through. Let's just try to be logical about this. When are we most likely going to need money out of our stock, stock savings 401ks? During a crisis, right? When is that investment account most likely going to be hit, dinged on a recession, right? During a crisis. Right, exactly. <laughs> so those are the problems of liquidity. We can't get that money out right when we need it the most. Mm-hmm. And that's a key concept because, you know, when we're thinking about our rate of return, we have to remember that it's all one wallet. Your rate of return in one investment affects your rate of return across all your investments. So most people see, and this is probably just a a factor of human nature, myself included, most people have tunnel vision. They have this microeconomic perspective. From tunnel vision, I'm going to be making all kinds of financial mistakes. Uh, You'll be making mistakes because, you know, while you're comparing interest rates over here, this investment over here, you forget that it's all one wallet. For example, your wallet to pay your insurance is the same wallet you use to build investments and the same wallet that you're using to make mortgage and car payments. So you're going to be most effective at building your economic prosperity engine when you look at it with the macro uh, view, the kaleidoscope view that shows all your possibilities, not just one, not just looking at this mutual fund over here while ignoring everything over there. Uh, So we want to look at this from a big picture, long range view of your whole life from now till graduation day, right when we die. And that'll help us, I hope, think about this from a big picture, prosperity that's accelerating. I had a story uh, that I, I'd like to share with you guys. That it's an interesting guy. I met him a long time ago, and he was doing very well for himself. He was making about a quarter million dollars a year. But he was spending, and he was super happy, by the way, with the investments he was doing. So making great income, investing lots of money, able to save lots, getting great returns on his mutual funds. I think he even said for a few years there, he was doing 12% a year on his mutual funds, which is that mythical 12% that uh, other financial gurus like to talk about. <laughs> but as we got and dug a little deeper, we I learned that he was spending $80,000 a year on just the interest payments, not not paying down his debt, just servicing the debt at 80 grand a year. So he had like a house, he had a second house, he had a vacation home, a car payment or two, he had a boat, you know, so credit cards even. So he was super pleased with this 12% of his, uh, on his mutual funds, pre-tax by the way, but yet he was spending like a third of his income on just interest. That's, that's bonkers crazy. So, you know, he had uh, a liquidity problem, mm-hmm. right Holly? Well, and I just feel like so often people just need to do the math. You know, and and Mark, you and I share these numbers and and stats with people all the time about what the average American, you know, what percentage of their income are they spending on financing? Do you remember the number from our presentations of the average American? Five? Yeah, it's like 34.8 or something like that. So the average American spending 34.8% of their income on financing. So they have 35% almost just going out the back door and you just have to look at the the dynamic. But, you know, when you talked about your tale of two savers, right, you know, one was getting a slightly higher return and one was getting a slightly lower return, but he wasn't having to go into debt. So that first one is spending, you know, maybe 30% of his income to service that debt he had to take out. I don't care what he's making in his mutual (laughs) funds. You know, I don't care what that higher rate of return is. If 30% going right back out, you know, out the back door, 
then what good did that higher rate of return do him? You know, I'd much rather be the second one. Maybe I'm not getting 12% on my mutual funds a year. Maybe I'm only getting a little modest, you know, 8%, 5%. I don't care. If it's avoiding me having to pay 30% to someone else, um, well, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be a true 30%, but- It'd be even worse because it's you know, 30% of your net tax after tax income. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah exactly. Crazy. Or, you know, 20% to the credit card companies and then, you know, 10% to the car financing company and, you know, 5% to the bank for my mortgage. I mean, whatever your interest rates are, it just, it adds up and it's astronomical. Um, and I think so often, like you're talking about the tunnel vision, you know, people, they compartmentalize their finances where they look at, hey, here are my investments and this is what they're doing. And I'm told that my investments are doing great if I'm earning, you know, 10, 12% a year. And so when they carpet compartmentalize it where they say, okay, I'm getting my 10%, push it off to the side. They look at their debts and they're like, okay, well, I'm told that I'm doing great if I'm only paying, you know, 5% on my car loan or right. or 10% on my car loan. So therefore check that one's in the good yeah. column. And they don't realize the dynamic between the two of it doesn't matter what your investments are making if you're paying 20, 30% to the banks for your loans and, and credit cards and things like that. So it's not the, uh, it's like an, any injection, right? It's not the rate of the injection, it's the volume of the injection, mm -hmm. all right? So it's not the rate of return, it's the volume that you can save or the volume that you have to spend and give to a banker. Mm -hmm. Yep. And liquidity is the solution you yeah, know, to that right. problem. Liquidity is how you're able to avoid having to go into debt and taking on those finance charges. Um, and when it comes to, you know, having liquidity, you know, we, you want to have the money ready to go for emergencies, for when things come up, when you need to make purchases, and also for opportunities. Like exactly. that's certainly not something to be overlooked. I mean, so often, um, you know, people will say, oh, this great opportunity came, you know, came my way the other day, but I just, I couldn't do it, you know, or, or they would have to go to a bank and get a loan in order to capitalize on that opportunity. Um, but so, sometimes though, you know, opportunities are, are cash only offers. You know, you can't use debt in some cases, especially in real estate. I know it's fairly common. Um, so you might have these great opportunities come across, but if you don't have liquidity, you can't ca capitalize on it. Um, and so liquidity, you know, how much is too much. How much liquidity do you want? Um, Mark, I think you asked me this question, you know, well, how full do you want your gas tank? Yeah. Gas tank? <laughs> well, all the way, you know, mm -hmm. I want to have as much as I possibly can to be able to capitalize on those opportunities, cover emergencies, and make sure that I'm never going into debt, you know, aside from maybe a mortgage. Yeah. Yep. So what vehicles are liquid? We've got cash, bank account, like the savings account, which Holly, you said in the last episode, you're looking at a growth factor of 0.001% if you're lucky. <laughs> I think I have an extra zero on mine. <laughs> I think I added three more. So actually you were generous. <laughs> oh, I feel so. I feel generous. Um, CDs might be liquid. They do actually uh, hand out microscopes now when you go open your savings account so you can see that interest. It <laughs> Telescopes. Is, it's very generous of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Money market accounts are liquid. Money market funds are liquid. Whole life insurance, if it's if it allows loans, is liquid. Um, and the boy policies are liquid. You you can get that money in three to five business days. Boy is a bank on yourself. Right, bank yep. on yourself. Um, so what are the first steps to getting liquidity? That's the question everybody asks. If I'm in jail and and you know my stocks are locked, how do I break free and how do I get access? Good question. Uh, so the first thing is you want to age your money. So you want to live on last month's income as fast as you possibly can. 
break the paycheck-to-paycheck cycle by living on less than you make. Uh, This is a challenge, but it's doable. First couple of months doing this, you'll have to probably cut back significantly. But over time, you can start to expand again because you'll have that liquidity and you'll be able to be ready for those emergencies when they come. Mm -hmm. You'll want to build up an emergency fund. This is a big one. Um, Ideally, two years, you know, of income. Save it so that you can access it when times get rough because we, we all experience crisis points in our life. So the emergency fund cash is really important point of liquidity. Um, so the only way to accomplish this is to consistently spend less than you earn, and you hear this over and what over and over and over. Yeah, Mark, do you have any ideas on how you can spend less than you earn? Uh, well, you know, I think it, it comes down to making the adult choice, right? We're going to start adulting here and, and living within our means. Mm-hmm. It's just the it's the hard but honest truth. You know, no no amount of rate of returns or fancy uh, investments can help overcome the spending problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some people get a windfall. And in those moments, you can really uh, up your game. Because when you do have a windfall, you create liquidity for yourself. And it's a matter of where you end up putting the money that you receive. So be sure not to put it in a lockbox. Put it in something that you can access and keep it flowing. Um, you want to learn to live on old money. So there's a cool software called YNAB, and you can get it online. And um, it's got multi-user functions, so you can budget with your spouse. It's interactive, pretty cool. And they have um, a box in the upper right-hand corner of that software that tells you how old your money is. So the, the bigger that number is on how many days old your, your money is, the better off you are for liquidity reasons. Um, and when, when you have more than just a flat tire fund uh, and you have more than 30 days of expenses saved up, when that bill does show up in the mail, you just pay it. You know, there's not any yeah. stress. So. What a concept. Again, yeah, you want your money older than your cheese in your refrigerator, right? Wow. <laughs> we yeah. share a refrigerator. For the record, we don't have old cheese. Given, <laughs> given, uh, given that there's just so much uh, uh, living on paycheck to paycheck and having that liquidity problem, I think even just a month's supply of bills in the bank would provide what kind of life could we live if, if every American had that ready to go just to pay the bill yeah, when, it, when it came through. Well, it's about peace of mind. You know, right. liquidity can provide that peace of mind. It can alleviate stress. It can, you know, have the burden of bills and, and you know, all like imagine all those nasty feelings and things that you feel when bills come in the mail and it's getting towards the end of the month and you're starting to feel stressed. Like imagine all that being gone just eliminated. And that's what liquidity can do when you know you have enough sitting there ready to go to cover the bills, cover, you know, the the expenses that you know are coming up in that month. It's peace of mind. It's lack of stress. And it's great. You know, I mean, it's liquidity. That's what liquidity can lead to. Um, And then also wanted to to cover a couple other, you know, benefits of liquidity. So we kind of mapped out what we felt were, you know, seven, let's call them the seven biggest benefits of liquidity. Okay. Um, And so the very first benefit of liquidity, besides the peace of mind I just talked about, (laughs) is um, no high interest finance charges. So that was actually what we were kind of talking about towards the beginning of this episode. Um, when you have liquid funds ready to go, you don't have to go into debt. Um, and oftentimes it's when those things come up in an emergency, 
that you end up taking out the highest interest debt, right? right. Um, when yeah. you have the flat tire come up, you know, you might be looking at a credit card to cover that or, you know, God forbid, a payday loan with astronomical interest rates. So when you have liquidity, especially in a greater sum than just $400, <laughs> you know, you're going to be able to cover some of those things and avoid um, not only, you know, finance charges and interest charges in general, but especially, you know, those high interest ones that are really, really, really going to hurt you um, and set you set you back. Um, second benefit of liquidity here is you have a cushion if you lose your job, um, which certainly you know that's not something that people ever like to think about or think would happen to them. But it's a it's a reality. You know, people um, lose their jobs for any number of reasons. Sometimes having to do with the economy, and and oftentimes having nothing to do with your actual performance, but just you know, oh, we eliminated this department or downsizing. You know, whatever the case may be. But if you have liquidity, then, you know, you're able to have that buffer ready to go to help you kind of weather that transition in time from when you lost your job and you found the new one. Um, oftentimes people, you know, are fairly optimistic and we love optimism, you know, that they'll find their job in a month or two. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll have a new job before the severance package is up, you know, right? Um, but, I mean, how many people, if you think about it, how many people do you know that maybe it took them six months, a year, two years, you know, to find another job or find another steady job. Like maybe they were able to find a couple odds and ends jobs in between, but nothing that was like consistent. Mm -hmm. um, and so you really have to have liquidity. You have to have a cushion. You have to have a, a buffer um, to be able to weather that period of time. And that's what liquidity can do for you. And it gives uh, you control over the ability to choose your job. You don't have to settle for the first one that comes your way. Yes. You know, yes. If, if I'm offered a, a you know, 15 hour now a dollar an hour job or some kind of, uh, you know, starter job. And I've got like, oh, man, I got to get that job because I have nothing left in the bank versus if I had waited and done a little more applications or whatever and, and landed, you know, I don't know, $200,000 salary. What more money would that end up, you know, benefiting me and my family if mm -hmm. I had just had a little bit of cushion to wait it out and be patient and get the right deal? Yeah, making sure you're getting in the right job. Absolutely. Yep. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, so what about number three? So th the third out of the seven benefits of liquidity that we wrote down was lower insurance premiums. So, uh, you know, we're talking about getting health insurance premiums down, auto insurance premiums down. If you have a higher deductible on your health or your auto or your homeowner's insurance, you can get rid of, like, say, some of the expenses. The higher the deductible on these health insurance or auto, usually the lower the cost, the lower your premiums are. So you can self-insure for most of these things uh, when you're liquid, when you've got a bunch of money sitting on, on, you know, on, on the side there. So, for example, a 44-year-old female uh, getting health insurance, if she had a $500 deductible, that's the money she'd have to come up with. So that's a low deductible, meaning you know, a low threshold where she'd come up with $500 and then the insurance company would cover the rest. Her premiums... So again, $500 deductible would be $4,236 a year. So that's someone who doesn't have a lot of liquidity, right? She has to pay $4,236 a year. Guess what? If she uh, wanted to, she could pay roughly four times less than that, $1,164 a year. How is that possible? Because she has a larger deductible, in this case, $10,000 deductible, money she'd pull out of her own pocket if she broke an arm or something, that means a savings each year of, you know, roughly 4x her premium. How many years would it take for her to just save that money in a savings account? Three. Yeah, not long. Yeah, so it sounds like 
a big number, right? $10,000. I'm going to have to have $10,000 that I have to cover for my deductible before my insurance is going to cover anything. But just like you said, I mean, with that savings, you're saving about $3,000 a year. It's only going to take you three years to make that up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so for every three year span that you go (laughs) without, you know, actually needing to use your health insurance for any major um, thing, you know, it's not just like a checkup or a cold or something, um, you know, you're, you're going to be far better off in the long run. Right. So the fourth of our seven benefits of liquidity is a sense of control. So this is more of a psychological benefit, but it's sort of like uh, we liken it to walking down a dark alley alone Uh, but with the confidence of knowing that you are a triple black belt in Kung Fu. (laughs) So we don't know what life is going to bring. It might uh, might bring a disaster like we talked about, health insurance, you know, medical calamity, or it could be an incredible opportunity. You stumble across some incredible real estate opportunity or something else, but it's that sense of control, that feeling inside you that says, yep, I can weather this storm. Even if I lose my job for three years, I've got enough ready to rock and roll and wait for that perfect deal to, to come through. Yeah. Number five is steady year-round access to cash for your business or personal needs. And it's access to cash when income is low to cover your cash crunch. So what's really great about this is like Mark and I, we started a business together um, and we were able to use some liquid funds without having to go into debt. And since we started the business, we haven't been in debt one time. Like we've had zero debt on the books the entire process because we've had liquidity and access to cash. Um, number six is give yourself options because without liquid cash, choices might be made for you. So say you have a relative and you urgently need to go on an airplane and meet them for some need or there's a funeral in your family or there's something urgently that you have to take care of. If you have liquid cash, you can just click that plane ticket, just buy it, get on the plane and go. If you don't have the money, you know, you're stuck. So giving yourself options is good. And another piece in this that I just want to circle back on is the element here that that really works at the beginning is the discipline of time. You know, when we were talking about health insurance deductibles, if you can wait three years, if you can zoom out and see the pain of the the time it's going to take to get where you want to be in the beginning, um, it's going to benefit you in the long run because you'll look back and you'll see time benefiting you at every step of the way because you did make those big rock decisions. So at the beginning, it's difficult, but long run, the time is actually on your side with the interest and other factors and having that liquid fund that's huge pays off. So you can give yourself options. It's true. Yeah. Speaking of options, there was a story I I heard from another advisor that I work with. Uh, He was telling me, and actually it's in the Bank on Yourself book as well, Greg and Christy Gammon. Uh, So their story is written right into the book that we've uh, referenced a few times. They were called recently by Greg's stepbrother And his brother said that, you know, due to a personal difficult situation, Greg's brother couldn't keep the baby girl he and his wife had just given birth to. So they didn't want to just give her away to a stranger for adoption. They wanted it to be, uh, they wanted the adoption to be done, uh, the girl to be adopted by Greg and Christy. So it took a lot of money to do this. But Greg and Christy were able to do it. They were able to use their policies, their bank on yourself policies to fly out see the new baby girl, watch her be born, and then went through the adoption process and paid for all those right out of pocket. Uh, Didn't have to go into debt for it. So you can read that incredible story. They've got it in the book, but you could also go to bankonyourself.com forward slash adoption dash story, adoption hyphen story. 
So that's the sixth uh, sixth benefit there is give yourself options. Thank you, Katrina. The last one is uh, ability to take advantage of opportunities. So we've really kind of talked about this in terms of emergency response, but getting access to cash, liquidity, unlocking cash, the war chest of cash can also be used for incredible opportunities as well. So who were the people that made money during the Great Depression or the Great Recession? There were people who made tremendous fortunes. Think the Vanderbilts. Think the Rockefellers. Think J.C. Penney. Think of the people that changed the shape of our country. These were people who had money ready to go, dry powder for when the opportunities arose. When they saw the Great Depression or most recently the Great Recession uh, coming, they were like, wow, everything's on sale. That's how they that's how they view it. They certainly didn't. I'm sure that they didn't appreciate the suffering that happened. But man, they were ready to help buy up properties and turn them into part of their overall financial picture. So there is no getting around it. Either you manage your money or it's going to manage you. And one of the best ways you can tame this beast called money is to have some ready to go cash for emergencies and opportunities. And so we see these benefits. So we want to make sure that, you know, any recommendations that we make are, you know, to our clients is going to be keeping their liquidity in mind. So look, we see the importance of liquidity. We know how much it can help people and helping them make sure that they stay out of debt, they can avoid um, high interest payments, and then also take advantage of all these other benefits that we just went over and discussed. And so when it comes to, you know, what can you do uh, to further your liquidity? You know, we talked about starting to um, consistently spend less than you earn. And then as far as, you know, where do you put it? Where do you keep it uh, mm. when you want it to be liquid? Well, that would kind of, rep- or we'd want to kind of reference back to our previous episode where we talked about the financial pyramid. And so in episodes four and five, uh, we actually talked about, you know, where, what the financial pyramid looks like and how we want to make sure that the foundation of the financial pyramid is going to be in assets and vehicles that are safe and liquid. So liquidity was already a key component um, to building up this financial pyramid that we've talked about in the past. And so you'll want to reference back to those episodes and we'll give you a couple neat ideas of where you can keep your money to keep it safe and liquid. All right. So we've, we've actually gone through three different toolbox episodes. This one was liquidity. Previous was simple and compound interest. And before that, something called opportunity costs. So if you haven't already heard those three episodes, we highly recommend you go back and binge listen because the very next episode is going to be bringing it all together and I think a pretty unique way. So we look forward to getting to share that time with you next week. Thank you all very much for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.